difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. No, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah, we breaking chains over here. Yeah, you can stay over there. And we're back once again, only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol, only on uh, Anchor FM. And uh, join me here on the line. This man will be in action once again. This time he'll be fighting Luke Santa Maria. It'll be none other than May 28th. It'll be only on. It'll be only on uh, pay per view. It'll be Tank Davis versus Early Romero. And once again, we're proud to have back on the show a man who is still undefeated and rising his way up the well now light middleweight championship title. I give you once again, it's uh, Jesus Ramos. Uh, so it's a weird feeling, Jesus. You're taking on a guy who, let's face it, you know he beat your uncle. You, I'm guessing, want some revenge. And what is that like now, where you're the one now settling scores? So you're now the one going, okay, I see you, I see Ugas, you know. You guys are on my list here. You've made the list. I, I got to take you out now because this is family here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't, I don't feel like my uncle lost to uh, Santa Maria. I feel like um, it was a very close fight. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, say otherwise. I feel like it was a close fight, closer than it should have been. But I still think my uncle, you know, did enough. He was landing the more meaningful punches. But, um, it is what it is, man. You know, he got he got the decision, and now it's my turn, like you said, to come take him out. He's on the list, and, and I got to take him out. So when you, does it help seeing him in action like this? I mean, most guys, you know, don't like to watch tapes. Some guys do. In a case like this where, you, as, as people have said, he's, you know, he's been on he's, – he's, you've seen him fight because you were probably watching your uncle fight. Does that help you in terms of – preparing for what his style and what he brings to the table yeah of course you know we like to watch tape study the guys see what they bring to the table and uh you know like you said my uncle fought him so we kind of have a good idea of how he fights but um you know we're still watching him we're still you know we'll, we'll put on some of the fights and um come you know kind of come up with the game plan but um now we're ready i'm ready i've been i've been here in las vegas training for quite some time now, uh, I've been getting sparring with tough, tough fighters, and um, yeah, I think they're I think they're all better than Santa Maria, and uh, so that's gonna help me be be extra ready for for May twenty eighth. So, what made you take the fight? I mean, I know you say, oh, you know, you don't you, you don't think that he beat your uncle, but I mean, it seems like a bit of a step down from Vladimir Hernandez. So, why was this a fight that you and your team took? Was it just to keep busy, or is there just something else at play here right now? You know what? Um, it wasn't the first name that was thrown at us. We had, uh, we had already um, kind of settled in for, for an opponent for that same, same day. Uh, but then we got a call, you know, um, saying if you want to Santa Maria, you know, I don't know how that worked out. I'm not sure if he's the one that mentioned my name. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it happened, but we got a call and they told me, you know, you want to fight Santa Maria next. And um, originally he was supposed to give my uncle the rematch, but I, I guess that fell through and they offered me the name. So 
I'll I'll gladly take it because of the same reason because of 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 their of his last fight with my uncle. How does it work now with the family? I mean, I know you guys are all tight. You're the one though who gets now these big fights, and it's a way of a beast. You know, your uncle has lost a couple of fights. Uh, you're undefeated. Now, all of a sudden, networks, I'm guessing, go, yeah, well, you know, Ugas versus Abel, it sounds nice, but you know what sounds better? Ugas versus Jesus Ramos. That sounds like a main event. I mean, how tough is it now knowing that in the pecking order, you'll get pushed ahead of your uncle, even though he's the one who's helped raise you and train you? You're now ahead of him in this whole pecking order of boxing. Yeah, you know what? Well, my, my uncle has paved the way, and, you know, I'll be forever grateful for that. Um. But, you know, he, he's told me a bunch of times, you know, um, I got to be better than him. And um, I'm sure he's proud of me. And um, but I, I, I wouldn't count my uncle out. You know, he's still got he's, he's still got he still has um, a good few years in his career. And, um, you know, he's going to show it in, in his next fight, man. He's I don't count him out just yet. I feel like he's, he still has a lot more proof. And I think he's, he still has a chance at this. Speaking of proving, let's take me back to the fight which proved to a lot of people that you're a serious player. You versus Vladimir Hernandez. This is a guy who came in there, and let's face it, he was on a hot streak. He had just knocked off uh, former undisputed uh, light, light middleweight champion J. Rock Williams. This is a guy that a lot of people thought, all right, this is going to be, you know, a bit of a test. You know, he's a rising kid. You know, this, he might expose as they say, uh, Jesus, and you went out there and you took care of business. Uh, how nice is it getting a, not just a, a win, but a knockout win over a guy who it was, it was a bit of a step up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I told, I told everybody that uh, as I, as I got tough for opponents, I was going to show different dimensions of my game. Um, and I think that's what I did in, the, in that Vladimir fight. You know, I showed different dimensions. I wasn't just coming forward. Um, I had to work on my defense, step around, using my angles against him. So I showed I showed a different game, you know, something that I can bring to the table. And, you know, I've always told everybody, you know, I, I have a lot more in my arsenal than what, than what has been seen in my fight. But, I mean, it's all going to come with time. You know, um, my opponents will ask more of me, and I will, that's where everything's going to show. Um, and that's kind of what happened in my last fight with Vladimir. You know, everybody was saying it was going to be a tough fight for me. Some even believed I was going to lose. But, um, you know, I, I, I got ready. I, I did my part in the gym, and, and I was confident in what, in what I could do, and I showed. You had said, I you know, prior to that fight, you, were, you'd be, you, want, you weren't looking for knockouts, but you wanted to show that you had the power. And there was a frustration with Molina because he played very – Defensively, there was a frustration with Mendoza because he also, at times, you know, fought to survive. Uh, what changed with Hernandez? What made you go from you know you went with distance, you went with distance to you got rid of him quickly. You got rid of him within you know six rounds. Yeah, you know, um, the difference was it was his style. You know, I think styles make fights, and uh, he was a come forward guy, so I was able to pick my shots. You know, I was able to the the pick my shots where they were going to be breaking him down. And um, I think that's what it was mostly, you know, from the first round to the last, to the sixth round that, that I knocked him out in, he was breaking down, you know, and I could feel it little by little, he was breaking, breaking, breaking. And um, I was feeling that, you know, his 
he wasn't as tough, you know, his output wasn't as as, as high as it, as it had been. And uh, he was kind of frustrated. So I just kept capitalizing on his mistakes, kept cap- capitalizing on, on everything. So he would be more frustrated. And yeah, man, I stayed patient, composed until the time came. And once the time came, I made, I made sure I, I, I took advantage of it. We got to talk, talk about knockout because that's, that's a, it's a special knockout when it's just that, that per, almost perfect punch where it, it's delayed. You know, you all of a sudden, you know, you're setting him up, you're setting him up, and it's just boom, there goes, you know, the left hook. And you can see him on, you know, just wobbly legs. He starts dancing funky. Wow. How nice is it when you, you know, you, you land that sort of just perfect punch where it's like, yep. Just, you know, don't look at this. Don't look at this. Oh, here comes this. And it's, you know, it's that setup of go to the body, you know, straight right hand, but go to the body, you know, straight right hand, and then you throw something when he doesn't see it. Yeah. No, man, it was perfect, you know. Um, and you can even see it in the replay when my, my face was just, like, it lit up because I had been I had been um, setting him up, but you said it was just – I was setting him up, setting him up. And right before that, I threw a right uppercut. And I didn't even throw it hard, and I just threw it out there so he would be distracted by that one. And as soon as he was going to open up, I capitalized with my left hand, and it landed right on the chin, man. And then I saw his legs went, like you said, he started, he started uh, dancing funny, and and that's when um I took I I took advantage of it. But I mean, it, when when that happened, you know, I was just focused on on landing the right shots. I knew it was going to be a matter of time, so I was focused on on placing my shots. I even went down to the body to make sure he wouldn't recover. And, um, yeah, I, I got him out of there. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's uh, Jesus Ramos. We're talking all things, of course. Uh, his upcoming fight, May 28th, on Tavis versus uh, Romero. We're talking for Vladimir Hernandez win. We're talking family. I want to talk about patience. And not, you know, in the ring. I'm talking out the ring here because I'm guessing – you're at that point now. You're looking, going, okay, yeah, I'm ready for a big fight here. I'm ready for a big fight. You know, get me Terrell Gosha. Get me Sebastian Fundora. Get me, hey, you know what? That Tony Harrison, that'd be a great little fight there. And your team, I'm guessing, is going, no, 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 this is what we're looking at here. This is who we're going next year. Do you ever get frustrated? Do you ever get sort of, you know, like angsty where it's like, all right, I'm ready for these guys. Uh, you know, me, Erickson Lubin, me, Tony Harrison, me, Terrell Gosha. I'm ready for all this. And your team's going, one more step, one more person, one more fight. And because you're very confident. That's all, I've always known that since we started talking is you have a confidence you can beat anybody here. How frustrating is it about just going at the pace your team is setting rather than the pace that you want to go? You know, um, I don't get frustrated with that because I know they're, they're doing the right thing with me. And, um, I feel like it's giving me time to just get better and get stronger, especially at this weight where, you know, I'm, I'm only, this is my, this is be my third fight at 154. So it's giving me, it's giving me, you know, time to get stronger, get even more ready for, for these world champions. Like you said, I have confidence that I can hang in there with them right now, but it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to take my time because I, like I said, I'm growing each day, man. I'm, I'm getting stronger and stronger. We, we added, um, Coach Larry Wade, he's Caleb Plant's uh, strength and conditioning coach. He was Sean Porter's. So he has a lot of experience. And, and, and like I said, I'm growing every day. I'm getting stronger by the day. And that's just going to make me an even more dangerous fighter. So I'm not necessarily frustrated. 
because I know we're working. I know we're working for something, and I know that when the time comes, I'll be more than ready to to take advantage of it. Take me to a new strength conditioning coach. So you're still growing. I mean, we, we forget about it here, but it's not like, you know, you're, you know, Sean Porter, who is 28 or Caleb Plant, who's 30, you're 21 years old. So in theory, you could still go up to 160 or 168. That's not out of a question. So how do you, how does it, what's the strength conditioning for you right now where they want, I'm guessing they want you to get stronger, but they don't want, they're trying to anticipate, well, he might blow up now the next year because, hey, he's 21, you know, 22, he all of a sudden, he might just grow a couple more inches. And next thing you know, oh, we got a super middleweight. Correct. Yeah. You know, um, we're not focusing too much on the weight. I'm getting stronger because we're using my my own body weight right now. You know, we're doing push-ups, pull-ups, everything to help me get stronger, but with my own body weight. You know, we're not we haven't been adding a lot of weights. What we have been working on is a lot of explosiveness, you know, a lot of a lot of punches, a lot more kind of um, conditioning, which I, I'm always confident I have, but when I would let it wait, you know, it's even more, you know, I, he, he, he's bringing that confidence to where if I wanted to throw hundred punches per round, I can go out there and do that with no problem. And um, I think that's going to make you for even more exciting fights. And uh, I'll be, I'll be more dangerous in the ring. It all comes back down once again to May 28th in the Barclays center. It's going to be you versus Santa Maria, it's a, it's it's on the pay per view card here. Can you win this fight? And I don't mean you know win is in win or loss. I know you can. You probably will, but it's a catch twenty two. You win, well, you're supposed to. He's a smaller guy. He's thirteen and two, seven knockouts. Um, all right, you know, doesn't have much you know one punch power, and he's lost to guys like Paul Kroll. You struggle. Or we even have a tough time. There'll be people go, hey, this is overrated. This is this probably isn't that good. We, we he probably overestimated them. Uh, how tough is it fighting a guy like this, where people are expecting you know a knockout or expecting a dominant performance, and it's no longer just you winning or losing. It's you winning by you know a high example. Yeah, um, you know what? Uh, there is that. There is that pressure. There is that that you know kind of chip on the shoulder where I gotta not only like you said not only win but do it impressively. And um, but that's okay. That only motivates me. Like I said, um, to be honest, I don't feel like um, Santa Maria is a guy that let's say deserves a, a, a training camp like this one. This is a world. The, the training camp that I'm holding right now is is as if I was preparing for for a champion right now. You know. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like Santa Maria deserves it. I feel like I could train at home. Like you said, kind of um, underestimate him, train at home, uh, do, what I, do, do what I do regularly. And I, I think I would still go to the Barclays and win, you know. But that's not what I want. That's not what we're, what we're preparing for. Like I said, that's why we we even brought in a new strength and conditioning for someone that can help me grow because we don't want to look average in my next fight. I don't want to look average against Santa Maria. I don't even want – I don't even want to give him – the, the, you know, a little bit of chance. I don't want to give him nothing. If I can knock him on the first round, I'm going to knock him on the first round. But like I said, that's because of my preparation. That's because right now I'm holding training camp in Las Vegas as if I was getting ready for my first world title. But it's just Luke Santa Maria. And, you know, that's that's kind of what helps me because um, I'm getting ready. 
to the best of my ability, I'm I'm leaving, you know, I'm I'm not leaving anything unturned and uh, I'm just getting ready for, for Santa Maria. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, they'll be fighting. It's May 28th. It's uh, only on Showtime pay-per-view. It's Gervonta Tank Davis versus Raul Romero. It's this man against Lucas Santa Maria. We always a pleasure having on the show. It's uh, Jesus Ramos Jr. Uh, Jesus, before I let you go, so where can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website, and who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? It's um, Jesus Ramos Jr. underscore on Instagram and Jesus Ramos Jr. on Facebook, Twitter, and um, even on YouTube, Jesus Mono Ramos, um, where I post my vlogs of training. And, uh, you know, the main main sponsor for this one is Kazen Collision Center. You know, been with us 12 years now, and uh, he's, uh, he's a great guy, great sponsors, and, and shout-out to them, man. Jesus Ramos Jr., ladies and gentlemen, once again, always on a pleasure having the show. Stay tuned for more as we're going to be back once again only on its last call. Last call for the alcohol only on its Anchor FM. Back once again, only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol, only on the last call YouTube channel. Joining me here on the location, he's training for his upcoming fight. And once again, he's ready to uh, bring the action, bring the pain. We're looking forward to it. I give you once again, all the way from Alabama, we're now training out of Vegas. I give you, it's uh, your boy himself. I give you Eric Andrews. Uh, Eric, it's you. It's Park Young Young. It's uh, once again, a middleweight fight. Uh, so how much of this fight, you know, we talk about all the time, you, you'll go up to light heavyweight, you'll go down to middleweight, wherever there is a fight for you. When you train for middleweight, how much does your training change in terms of you're almost, you're cutting more weight. It's not like you're putting on weight, putting on more muscle. You're trying to get leaner. How does your body, uh, how, does, how does that affect your body now that you're getting up there? Um, Man, to be honest, I prefer middleweight. You know, I have to be much more disciplined in everything that I do. Oh, my training really doesn't change. Um, uh, really just my diet and how much I run, you know. But outside of that, you know, we have days that, you know, we train hard, the intensity is high. We have days where the intensity is low, then we have sparring days. And, you know, same with the strength and conditioning stuff. So, um, yeah, I just kind of uh, – <laughs> tailor the training to like my caloric intake and whatnot and get after it all right break it down for us here it's uh park young young it's uh a guy from uh, korea and as we talk about a lot this is becoming a, it's a global sport so 
how much do you know about him and what kind of fighter is he that and what kind of what kind of attack are you expecting from him coming up on may 21st um man he's showing that he can win in a lot of ways um he's wrestled guys i don't know if he's got any submissions um you know he's a good striker he's he's pretty well rounded um you know i i think that you know on the bigger stronger more athletic fighter have more tools think my wrestling is a little bit better um so it should be a good scrap you know i think we're both you know strikers who occasionally wrestle um so you know we'll see who shoots first when you have a guy like that you know as you said he's a jack of all trades master of none is that do you find that to be an advantage that you know you don't have to worry about well he's great at this I have to watch out for this. He's good, but I don't have to worry about, you know, like something that he does just much better. He's just a, a good fighter, and I can take take advantage of that. Um, yeah, you know, of, of course, like you try to exploit your opponent's weaknesses and whatnot. Um, and kind of take the easiest path to victory, so to speak. So, you know, that's what I'm looking to do and, you know, uh, get in and out. Don't get paid by the hour, so... As soon as I see the first opportunity to finish the fight, I'll, I'll take advantage of it and get him out of there. Now, this fight, as we, we talked about before, how, you know, you, you had been in Glendale against Darren Stewart, the rematch. There was a crowd. You know, people were there. That was fun. Uh, you went to Vegas for UFC 269. There was fans there. That's fun. Now you're going back to the Apex Center, and it's a, it's a small sort of almost like old-time theater only certain people are allowed. There's no real crowd. What is that like fighting in those kind of settings where if you can still hear your corner, you can still hear instructions. There's no like loud noise that can, but you, that prevents you from hearing what your corner is saying clearly. Um, for me, I, I prefer the, the apex, not because of the crowd. Cause of course there's nothing like going out there and getting your hand raised in front of, you know, 20, 30,000 cheering fans. Um, but the cage is smaller. So the, the, the small cage is kind of tailored to my skill set and the way I like to fight. So, um, you know, I, I wish that they would take that small cage on the road and go everywhere with it. But, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, you know, I think the smaller cage, if you look at the finish percentage of the fights, you know, there's much higher finish percentage in that small cage, so looking to go out there and take advantage of it. All right, we're going to talk about this in a bit, but I got to ask about the question that's been on my mind, because you're a man's man, so you like to do stuff your own. You know, you, you're one of those guys like, no, I'm not going to you know, pay somebody to cut my grass. I can do that here. I'm a, I'm a guy. I can cut down a tree. I can do all this. Uh, you nearly almost cut off your own football with a chainsaw. I was, I read the story. You were cutting a tree down. It fell. It nearly cut through the boot onto your foot. Looking back, how much were you looking? You look at that and go, "Holy crap!" I could have been, you know, that like a well, lost a couple inches right here. That would have not been good. Yeah, you know, uh, to be honest, I really didn't even know I had did it. You know, obviously, I felt like the weight of the blade, you know, hit my foot, but I didn't know. Uh, I really didn't know if like the, the chain was still running, so. When I looked down at my foot, I, I saw, and I wish I would have had a boot on, but I had a shoe on like an idiot. And uh, I could just see, like, my shoelaces and my shoe was all mangled. 
and I uh, slid my foot out of my shoe and I could see nothing but white on the top of my foot and then the blood just like filled in and started oozing out. Um, but man, dude, I, you know, I really thought that I had messed up at first. Um, but then I like wiggled my toes and I was like, okay, there must not be any nerve tendon or ligament damage. So, you know, I just kind of put everything down, got in my car and drove to the, to the hospital and they stitched me up right there. I got to ask, I mean, did anybody faint? Like when you went to the hospital and you're showing, Hey, by the way, I, uh, nearly cut any of this happier. Were there people like, Holy crap. What the hell happened there? Because well, I, mean, I, I would have been one. freaking out. I'd be going, please, I need a doctor stat. Help. Well, I went to the urgent care and uh, I walked in and they have like a placemat, like a doormat when you walk in. And I was like, hey, you know, I cut my foot. You know, I need to see the doctor or whatever. And they uh, <laughs> they were like, oh, hey, come over here, fill out this, uh, fill out this paperwork. And I was like, nah, lady, you don't understand, like, there's blood everywhere. I'm I'm getting blood all over your mat as we speak. You know, my sock is soaked. And they were like, oh, you know, they didn't panic or whatever. I'm sure they see crazy stuff, you know, in there all the time. But they went and got me a wheelchair and uh, put me back there and, you know, cut my sock off, soaked in its myodine. And I must have, uh, you know, done some kind of nerve damage because I didn't feel like the chainsaw cut through it. Maybe I was in shock. I don't know. Um, usually whenever they push it, they soak in iodine and alcohol and stuff, it burns pretty good, but it didn't burn. Even when he stuck the needle in there to numb it before he stitched up, it didn't burn, uh, hurt or anything. So, you know, I guess for the situation, it was the best possible scenario. We can laugh about it now because you're okay. Thankfully, everything's, you know, fine. How nervous were you, Bo, at that moment where it's like, oh, crap. And like, shit, I could have lost my foot. Oh, crap. Is there is there going to be problems, you know, down the road? I know you're saying, like, oh, you know, you, you felt your toes wiggled and everything. But at that moment, I mean, how, how, how tough was that not just freaking out going, okay, oh, crap. You know, this is going to be sepsis next, you know, an infection. And, you, you know, your mind is running around going, I freaking cut my foot on a chainsaw, god damn it. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty good at lying to myself, so I, uh, you know, every time I get hurt or hurt something, I just, you know, kind of always tell myself that it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, and then eventually it doesn't hurt anymore. Uh, with this, you know, as soon as I could wiggle my toes, I was like, ah, right, you good, you know, you just got the, you know, you just gonna have to get some stitches, but, you know, everything's got a price, and this is the price that you got to pay for your stupidity is, is the stitches, and that shit might hurt. Um, so yeah, I didn't like really, as soon as I could like wiggle my toes, I was like, man, you're going to, you're going to be good, man. It's all right. You know, this may take a little bit to heal, but to be honest, you know, I think I cut it on a Friday, uh, went to Austin on Sunday, hung out, uh, Monday and then Tuesday I was training again, uh, you know, doing jujitsu with the rest of the shoe on and stuff. So. You know, it's, I didn't even miss much, uh, to be honest. As we're talking, uh, the 2022 NFL draft is going to be this week. Uh, you've been in those, that scenario where there's a bunch, you know, you, a bunch of friends, you know, after the season, 
it's like, okay, everybody's sitting around there waiting for their name to be called. You know, it's like, okay, we'll be getting the first round, second round, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Like, what is that for you when you see this draft here? Are you just following along? Like, do you ever get memories of, like when you were a kid going, okay, you know, it's, you know, you're you're sitting there by the phone or you're waiting for some like, agent to call? And what is that like for anybody when it's like, okay, you're waiting for a phone call for somebody to go, we want you. Um, for me, you know, uh, I really didn't have any expectations, uh, to be honest, you know, of course you hope, you know, my parents came down and, you know, we sat in a, in a hotel room, watched the draft, you know, I really, I already knew I wasn't going to be a first day guy if I did get drafted. Uh, but then as the draft goes on and on fifth round, sixth round, the shit's not even on TV anymore. It, uh, you know, they're just having it down there at the ticker. Um, you know, of course, everybody wants to get drafted, but you also have to be, like, realistic with yourself as well. Uh, so, you know, for me, the scenario is a little bit different. I'm sure some of these other guys that, you know, have high draft pick expectations, it's a little bit more nerve-wracking, and, you know, they uh, are expecting a lot more. So, you know, I, maybe I'm just not the guy to ask. I don't know. So when you watch the draft this week, because I'm guessing you keep in touch with people from Alabama, and you know you're trying to follow along. I go, who's going to get drafted first round? You know how they're doing. Is it tough, or do you, if, at this point, because you've had success in UFC and you've made you know a name for yourself and everything, is it easier now watching this going? Okay, you know what? It's you you know you follow along. You can follow along like a fan, not have like that personal you know thoughts on what it was like for you back in the day. Um, I really don't relive any moments when I watched football or anything. Like, I had my time. It was cool while it lasted, but, you know, I'm on to something else. You know, I'm sure Alabama will have, you know, plenty of first-round draft picks. Um, you know, first-day guys, first- and second-round draft picks. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's an NFL factory now. You know, the game is different. The recruiting is different. You know, everything. It's almost not even uh, the same sport anymore, you know. Uh, a lot of rule changes. Uh, things like that. So, you know, it just kind of is what it is, and I let it be that. And, uh, yeah. Now, I got to ask, because your kids are getting old to that age now. One of them's about, one of them's uh, like 12 years old. Does he play football? Yeah. So has Nick called and said, hey, Eric, you know, you and I go back, we want dibs on a kid. We'll offer a little bit, you know, we may offer you uh the offer scholarship hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Has anybody started calling? You know, calling you, going, "Hey, Eric, we love your kid. Looks like promising you. Uh, you know, we want to keep our eye on them." Or, or is that even still too young for a twelve-year-old now? But with all these new recruiting stuff, um, dude, I think it's too young. You know, um, yeah, yeah, nah, none of that's going on uh, just yet. But you know, uh, football really is a passion of his, and. You know, I'm, I'm sure as he grows and continues to learn the game and starts lifting weights and things like that, um, those call, calls will start happening. Now, how are you as a parent? Are you one of those people who just, like, sits back and relaxes? Are you, you know, are you get involved? Or do you try to avoid being that, you know, dreaded soccer mom, football, you know, father, where it's like they're involved, they're screaming, they're hollering, the kids going, Dad, please just shut up. Make nah, a tackle. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I ain't, I ain't that guy, you know. 
Uh, I had my time. It was fun. I don't want to ruin it by being that parent uh, for my kids. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'm proud. But, you know, also my personality, I'm a pretty mellow dude. Like, I don't yell. Um, of course, I want them to do well. But um, as long as they're having fun and doing well, like, it's cool for me. Like, they don't. I just have to I just get on them for, for not hustling and playing hard sometimes, you know. But, you know, I'm, hey, uh, they know I'm there. Do. Huh? You got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to lay it all down. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, man, uh, both of them, they're good kids. They're athletic. They, they enjoy what they do. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm there to support. And I'm not, I'm not living through them. I lived my life, you know. I did my thing. I don't have to, like, live vicariously through my kids because they're doing something I didn't or couldn't do, you know. Um, I think that's, like, the big hang-up with some of these parents, just the way they talk about their kids, like they're the next Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or whatever, and their kids, you know, really isn't that good, you know. So, um, yeah. I just let them have fun and do their thing, and they know that I'm there, and you know that's all that matters, I guess. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, he's going to be fighting. It's going to be only on May 21st. It's going to be at the UFC uh, in Apex Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he'll be taking on once again a very uh, dangerous bumper. Well, he's always ready for a challenge at middleweight. I give you once again your boy himself. I'll give you Eric Andrews. Uh, so, Eric, for those who uh, don't know, where can they check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website, and who are the sponsors that you've been helping you out this uh, last couple weeks? Man, you can find me everywhere at Eric Anders, and it's E R Y K A N D E R S. And uh, Rev Gear, uh, uh, you know, some of the best gear, MMA gear uh, in the world. And FX supplements, Nutra FX, um, best third party uh, certified. Don't ever have to worry about uh, failing a drug test, retaining supplements and stuff. And, you know, everything they say is in there is in there. So, you know, I really trust those guys with what I put in my body. So, you know, big shout out to those two. Eric Andrews, ladies and gentlemen, once again, always on a pleasure. Head on the show. Stay tuned for more great interviews coming up. Only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol. Only on uh, Anchor FM Radio.